society and the structures, the systems always play in culture and the collective internal is always going to play in the, our own internal subjective is obviously going to play in the role. And then the more objective scientific, right? Like all of those are always playing in, into our reality and into our interaction with reality and bringing the awareness of, Oh, here's this programming. Here's my perspective on it. This may not be all coming from that, just that subjective. There, there's a lot of factors playing into that builds our awareness and our ability to choose and then to make good selfish choices versus selfish choices that might just be perpetuating something that has been passed on from my family and actually isn't actually serving me, even though I think it might be. All right, Harry, this can be fun, man. We go back actually quite a long way, <laughs> quite a long way. And um, what's interesting is I, I feel like we met at a very different time in both of our lives. Mm. And you're somebody who has, like, I feel like a lot of people in a, let's say a personal growth journey, people that are on a very determined path in their personal development journey uh, are very intentional with it, let's say, um, they leave a lot of people behind. Most, most of the time, right? People that just aren't willing to go to that length to really understand themselves, dig in deep, get to the bottom, get to the bedrock, uh, try things to, to, to ex- you know, experience new parts of themselves. And I feel like you're somebody that we've walked, not, not even parallel, you've actually been ahead of me and we've still been like ascending together. And that's really cool. That's rare too. Yeah, I like that. It's a good metaphor. And it is, you know, to your point, there's definitely been people who were, you know, a season in my life or for there for, you know, a while, but then just naturally drifted apart because of my interests versus theirs and mine being much more of the finding myself kind and there's not so much and there's not a right or wrong there, but absolutely there has been a a shift in who I spend my time with over the years. Yeah. In our world, in the mental purpose world, we call that the inner circle. And I always tell people, you know, you, you have to audit your energy. you got to audit where your time goes, where your money's being spent. And at the same time, you really have to audit that inner circle. And you have to make some tough decisions sometimes. Some people who are just not meant to be on the journey with you as you evolve, as you grow, they have to be, they just have to be left where they are. And it's just okay. It's all right. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly fine. And I think people get really caught up. And I mean, I know I did in what are people going to think? And am I a total asshole for doing this? And am I selfish or am I egotistical or am I making the right move here? And the answer is uh, probably all those things. And also, no, at the same time, you're choosing for you. And I had a lot of challenge doing that for myself, choosing for me, not for what people are going to think of me or what I look like. And, um, and I, and I actually wound up leaving some people behind and them circling back to me, like, like some of my college buddies, you know, like we were friends until maybe like the, like 2014, 15, when I'm at my journey really started to, to get heavier and heavier with personal development and left them behind. And then recently a, a big group of them have reached out and said, Hey, I really love what you're doing. Like, I'd like to understand how to get myself to a certain place mm. and that's cool so they kind of why out and then you meet back up mm. i thought that was really neat 
Yeah. 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 I like that. And like, it seems like you needed to go your way and then theirs in order for you to be able to meet them in a specific way. And that's something that I noticed has happened for me as well as if they had come with me, like I wouldn't have been ready for it. I actually needed the space yeah. for it to be about me and, and about me in a selfish way, in, in a good selfish way though, right? Like walking away and being selfish is actually very needed at specific times, especially if I have codependency, especially if the, you know, whatever dynamics are being played out in certain relationships, being able to simply just say, I need this to be all about me for at least yeah. until that part of me has grown, healed, integrated, left, whatever it is that it needs to do. Yeah. That's being selfish, man. And society's definition of selfish is not a great one. And what mm -hmm. we're saying, what you're saying is gotta be selfish. At a certain point, you must be selfish. How else is the world supposed to benefit from the real authentic you if you're not? Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. a lot of people may take that, you know, the, the, this audience won't. People sometimes take that the wrong way. How will the world benefit from you if you're not selfish? Right? That, that's, that doesn't add up to, to uh, I think, societal standards. And that's why we're doing what we're doing is to, is to help people realize that societal standards are only one aspect. They're only one choice. There's other choices out there. You have the choice. Whether you choose to stay in societal standards or what your parents did or what school taught you, that's up to you. That's completely up to you. 100% up to you. And what we're saying is, you gotta be selfish. You gotta be purposefully selfish. Yeah. And it's, you know, I like that you bring up kind of that it's a choice or a way the societal standards. And it's like, those are always going to play into every decision we make, right? Society and the structures, the systems always play in culture and the collective internal is always going to play in the, our own internal subjective is obviously going to play in the role. And then the more, objective scientific right like all of those are always playing in into our reality and into our interaction with reality and bringing the awareness of oh here's this programming here's my perspective on it this may not be all coming from that just that subjective there there's a lot of factors playing into that builds our awareness and our ability to choose and then to make good selfish choices versus selfish choices that might just be perpetuating something that has been passed on from my family and actually isn't actually serving me, even though I think it might be. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, so I want to go back, man, and get, give the audience a background on you. Cause you got a really interesting trajectory through life, you know, for, for your short 35 years here, I'm, I'm blanking on it. How old are you? 32. <laughs> 32. That's right. Seven years younger than me. Um, for your short 32 years here, you've had, um, you've had quite a run, man, quite an experience of life. And I just want you to fill the audience in on your background. You can make it quick. It doesn't have, you don't have to go into depth unless you want to. Because um, there's a lot of guys listening right now that are in their mid-20s. And they are questioning so much about their life. And they just don't understand how to break the cycle. And you broke your cycles. And so I think that's going to be really beneficial to them. So give us a little bit of background. Yeah, I think the quicker version is that when I was back in high school, I was the typical jock, partier, football player, got in fights, slept around, um, and quite frankly, enjoyed most of it. 
but at the same time there was there was something inside of me that was really feeling like i'm wasting my time something's wrong i can't put my finger on it but i can't keep living this way and that eventually led me to traveling to china studying tai chi and qigong with shaolin monks then i went and lived with monks and yogis in an ashram in the states in southern california meditation contemplation service all day sundays were all silence six hour meditation sits so that year off really reoriented and gave me a direction that was much more in alignment with oh this is what i want i had like a little spark before then and it just poured gasoline on the fire yeah and that wound up i changed my major got a degree in religious studies as a result of that traveled to Ghana and Indonesia, studied their culture, their spirituality because of that. Wound up going back to the ashram a second time because it was so impactful that I wanted to make the decision like, hey, am I going to become a monk? Am I going to live here the rest of my life? This was amazing. So I spent another five months there. Obviously, I decided not to or else we would not be on this podcast right now. <laughs> right, right. And what was interesting past that point was I didn't know what I really wanted to do as an external living career. Like, how do I spend my time other than meditation and trying to reach this thing called enlightenment? And so I just did my best to be in spaces that kind of felt like I was in the ballpark. And so I, I, you know, I was a football coach before I left. I went back into sports performance coaching, CrossFit coaching, Olympic weightlifting coaching. That led to nutritional coaching. And that's where, uh, you know, around that, during that time, that's when we met, we both became a part of an organization that was very mindset-based, very goal-set oriented. So that really started to come in strong around that time. Also got introduced to plant medicines, sitting with things like ayahuasca and mushrooms in a sacramental way. Um, and so it really became this one thing leading to the next. And past that point, you know, started my own coaching company, became a heart math resilience trainer, got certified in something called circling. Uh, I've been sitting with Lakota in song circles and sweat lodges for a few years. And I just keep exploring, keep following that. Hey, even if this doesn't feel like it's a hundred percent the thing that my, my heart's calling me to, my soul's calling me to, it's at least enough with the, within the ballpark that I'm going to go in and I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow. And it's really landed me in the offerings that I have and how I work with people in a beautiful way, because I do have this very colored understanding of my experience and of the world, even though it's limited and probably always will be, I've landed in a way of, of working with people that feels deeply authentic, feels deeply yeah. right and in alignment. It fills me up as well as them. I'm able to show up in a way that is just deeply enriching. And it's all around presence. And it's just, hey, how do I embody my life? And so it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a beautiful journey. That's kind of the overarching, you know, not going super deep into it. And I would also say I didn't really go into the struggles. And there were many. We need, we need a couple of those. Yeah. And, I, you know, I would yeah. say that a simple one or two is yeah, I went to the ashram and yeah, I lived with monks and yeah, it was deeply amazing. 
and to the point of deeply amazing of experiencing what might be termed as expanded states of consciousness, like really actually experiencing wildly profound and different orientations to life to the point where it changed how I interact with the world, where it took concept and turned it into reality. And it, and it, like, there actually aren't really words. Like I, I could go into describing some of those if there's an interest there, but like amazing. However, on the. F- get into those. I'm curious. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the first ones I ever experienced, and I talk about this a lot because it was one of the first ones is I was coming out of a, a 90 minute meditation and um, I was, you know, it's just peace, really vibing, feeling great, heading up, about to get lunch. And I was walking up this path and I noticed this ringing coming from inside my head and it was just, and like, I started to feel a little disoriented and a little, like my body was becoming magnetic. And so I was like, Hey, what's going on here? But I also was like, Oh, I hope this is awesome because you know, I would, I'd been told about these kind of states and whatnot. And so when I, I kind of stopped and I felt like my feet were being magnetically drawn to the ground, like I had moon boots on. And I, so I stopped and I just surrendered to whatever was happening. And the second I did that, the ringing just blew out and it went boom and it shot out in all directions. And when that happened, and it, it was as if I went out with it and I expanded into this just as far as the eye could see, I could feel it. And it was kind of like one of those Claritin Clear commercials where like, oh, it's kind of hazy. But then all of a sudden you see these new vivid greens and blues and browns in a way you'd never yeah. seen before. And I, and I would look at the grass and it, the grass was alive, but it wasn't just alive. Like I was the grass, my breath and the, and the aliveness of the grass were the same thing. And there was this unification that happened and this merger that just, it was deeply, deeply profound. And that lasted maybe three to five minutes. And then I kind of like came back into my body and then it became, you know, more or less the normal experience of being human, but it just left me in this awe and this yeah. bliss for the rest of the day. I was just eating in silence, really just with this, what just happened I don't care what just happened as long as it happens again, (laughs) 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 like this amazing, amazing feeling. And there were several of those during the six months I was there and they all had their own textures. They weren't like, if I were to describe another one, it wouldn't be what I just described. It would be actually almost some of them are wildly different. However, there's the other side of the coin, which is, yeah, when you learn to sit in six hours of meditation, it's miserable, man. Like most of the time it's me fighting my mind not to just go off into thought every three seconds. My body after an hour or two is like, dude, what are you doing? I'm out. I'm done. Get me out of here. It's cold. The body, the the blood starts to slow down a bit. I don't have my, my coping mechanisms. I can't go turn on a TV or Netflix or go on social media I can't go numb out with a bunch of food. Well, we did have a lot of food. So that would definitely be something I would turn to from time to time. But really you're left there. And I was left there for six months with myself, 
having to face whatever came up time and time and time and time again and really get real with my reality while also having these glimpses of this expanded reality, of this deep reality that spirituality points to and, and makes a very big deal out of this is real, people. Yeah. This isn't just, yeah. you know, some metaphor. So, and that didn't just happen at the ashram. Like my, my journey since then has really been about, okay, you know, becoming still and silent with myself, with what is. And as I am with what is, guess what comes up? All of my shit, all of the things that struggle to be with reality as it is. Because essentially when I, when I work with people now around, hey, let's be present. Well, that also means that we might have to be present to emotional pain. That might mean we have to be present to our own relationship with ourself. I mean, we might have to be present to physical pains and ailments, to our, to our mental interpretations, to our traumas. And so getting present, like a lot of people, they, you know, think of Eckhart Tolle or they think of the presence process and like, yeah. oh, it's so beautiful. And like, yes, it is. But it also is going to bring us into contact with all of ourselves. And uh, there's a lot of ourselves that we don't necessarily like to be with, want to be with, have repressed. The shadow is how Jung kind of labeled it. Yeah. So like, there's a lot that we come into contact with that is difficult for the human to actually integrate and be with. So let me ask you something. How does, how does the average human break that cycle of constant distraction and avoidance, which is what you were talking about earlier, numbing out, going to get Netflix or going to the gym or, or eating or something like that. What do you think the level of distraction and avoidance is in someone's daily routine? Mm. is it 90 percent? i think it is it's it's hard for me to give a percentage only because it is so uh case by case you know if sure. there were if there would be a generalized it would be a lot of the time i you know someone said hey we did you know we did all the the metrics and it does land on 90 percent. i wouldn't be surprised at all sure. in fact sure. for some people i'd say oh 10 percent you're you're present that's high, it's um, high. yeah yeah so it depends um, breaking the cycle again. Yeah. Well, uh -huh. I, let me ask you real quick. Like there are, there are a lot of things that people just know they're using to avoid, right? Drugs, alcohol, porn, things like that. They know they're using to avoid or cope or distract or, um, numb or whatever you want to call it. There's the, there's the, there's like the big 10. And there was a time that Aaron and I sat in, um, Reno, Nevada, and we wrote out 50, 50 things that people use to distract themselves. And it, it, it's actually pretty shocking when you start to think about like how humans live their lives and the, and the, and the cycles that they go through on an every Sunday basis with golf and football or soccer, mm. you know, or an every Wednesday or an every uh, morning coffee run to Starbucks right? Those are still distraction tactics. There's still, there's still, there's still a routine that is not serving in the best capacity. And then therefore, as, as you grow and you still have those, those habits, like they're detracting more than they're ever helping at all anymore. And maybe they didn't even help in at all. 
yet they are they are they're becoming bigger detriments not only financially yet they're they're just they're this like programmed get up i gotta have my coffee like most people that i talk to though i ask them about their morning routine and they say i've got to have my coffee in my mind i'm thinking that's your first area of avoidance it's your first distraction because if you can't get through your day without a cup of coffee you have a problem a big problem like a, a big problem if you can't wake up in the morning and figure out any other area any other modality to get yourself awake to to light up your brain or your body there's a problem and so like i, I want you to talk a little bit about um how somebody can identify an avoidance tactic or a coping mechanism that they may not even think is a coping mechanism. Like I want to get a little deeper into this. And, and, and I'm glad cause it's worthwhile um, yeah. because I, I think it's actually a fairly distorted conversation, even within the personal development world. Sure. So the question becomes, you know, regardless of what the coping mechanism is, why does it exist is, is a very, very pertinent question. And most of the time the answer is, well, and, and when you can find the answer to that with, what does it give you? Sure. Oh, well, when I have my coffee, like it gives me energy. It feels like I can meet the day and I can go and do what I want to do. Okay. Well, let's get even deeper. Like why is the heroin addict shoot up? Because in that moment, I feel bliss. I feel free, unburdened. The weight's gone. Like, oh, okay. So really what we're trying to get at, and you know, you could go into porn, you could go into any of these and you can ask that question. And it's maybe a momentary relief from stress, from resistance, from the struggle of everyday life, or being able to meet life in a way that feels better to me. And so really what we want to pinpoint is like, oh, okay, so you just want to be free. You just want to be connected. You just want to feel okay. And like you, you have maybe a little bit more control than you might in your, in your everyday life. When, was, when did this start? right? Like what, does this feel familiar? Well, shit, I had a dad or I had a, a, you know, an upbringing that I, you know, constantly felt like I had to avoid because it was too painful, too scary, too threatening to be me. Or I had this chronic meeting of, you know, a feeling like I was not enough. I was unworthy. And so my way of coping with feeling like I'm unworthy and I'm not enough in life is to not actually have to feel that. So every, so I'm constantly stimulating. I go from work to listening to music, to social media, to watching a movie, to bed. And I actually am not present at all. And then when I wake up, I have zero energy because my sleep wasn't renewing. So then I have to have that coffee in order to get up and do it all over again. Because if I were to actually stop for five minutes, I'd have to feel what it's like to be me. Mm -hmm. And so really it's about like, how do we take the demonization of the coping mechanisms and just recognize that there's a natural human need that's, that's being asked for that's not being met. And how do we meet those in healthier and healthier ways? And so maybe we take from shooting up to cigarettes, to porn, to like, how do we slowly get healthier until yeah. it's like, oh, okay, cool. This is something that I can have in my life and it's okay. And I think that begins to answer your question, which is we just really have to be real with why am I doing this? 
Yeah. Why am I asking that question? Is it that simple? It's that simple if you have awareness. So it's building awareness, right? So it's like, okay, how do I feel if I don't have this? And am I willing to sit in the discomfort long enough to find the answer? And that's, again, going back to presence. Like, okay, let's get present. Ooh, I'm, you know, within five, I mean, for people, some people, it's five seconds, but within five minutes of just being here without anything added to this moment, no music, no conversation, nothing. I'm wanting to tear my skin off. Okay. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So that is an indicator that there's something going on inside of us that we need to meet, that we need to be with. And we need it. We, we need to really gain some clarity and integrate it into us. Cause it's there, it's there. And so having a process to be able to do that is very important. But being able to recognize it is as simple as, am I uncomfortable in this moment? Or can I meet this moment as I am, as it is, and let it, and, and be okay with that, truly be okay with that. And I think that's really all the, the answer we need. From there, it could be rooted in a few different things, and getting to that answer could be done in a few different ways, which, of course, we can get into as well. Yeah, I mean, I think we should follow this path for sure, because I, I know the audience, I, I'm picturing like, there are five people that report to me weekly, <laughs> the same five people. And you know who you are when you're listening to this, um, who report to me and they're like, man, I, I never thought about it like that. Or I listened to this week's episode and I never heard it put like that. So I feel like we should go down that, that path. The question that I, I was uh, kind of came up for me as you were talking about resistance was, is that, is there a danger that as you keep resisting and keep keep fighting against the current, um, that it's there's a there, that there's a buildup and an, and an increasing like amount of energy that the resistance has, and so like it it becomes a harder wall for you to push down or a taller you know cliff for you to or, or um, you know like a like like a valley like a like a like a Grand Canyon, the walls become steeper as you go and reinforce that over and over and over again, or like, is it harder to break at 18 than it is at 58 or is Mm -hmm. it all the same stuff? Like our brains, our brains register resistance as resistance and it doesn't, it doesn't compound. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And I'm not honestly, like truthfully, I don't know the answer because two things come up for me. And the first thing that comes up is like, yes, if we look at neurological wiring and the more that you have a certain habit, the more neurons fire in that area and the less they're firing yeah. elsewhere. So we're creating deeper pathways. And if you do that for 50 years versus 20 years, is it more yeah. reinforced? Yes. So that's, that's one answer. But I also noticed another answer coming up, which is, however, the developmental capacity of an 18-year-old versus a 54-year-old is very different. And the 54-year-old might actually be able to hold the change and the shift that they're looking for at that age with a deeper level of complexity and nuance than the 18-year-old can. And so they actually might finally be ready to do it, and it might happen much faster because they have that capacity. So the developmental models in psychology are really important here as well to understand like, oh, this person, it's not that they just don't want to see this point of view, which is broader, they actually don't have the capacity to yet. They're, they're not developed yeah. enough to yet. 
So yeah. that's where it's like, I could see a both and type of answer there. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I, I hear that. I think it's a great answer. I, I, both of them are great answers. You know, like reinforcement of the habits and the neural pathways getting stronger. That's a clear answer. It, that is physiology that happens. And the other part is it has validity too. So I, I like that you separated those things and both of them have something that somebody can, can, can take. So let's get back to presence. And I also, I really want to make sure that in our time, we talk about uh, plant medicine together because we have, uh, we have been in ceremony together. And, um, and so let's make sure let's stay in, let's stay present and talk about presence. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And, uh, and then let's make sure that we also tap into that for a little bit. Cause a lot of guys have written to me and, and DM me about uh, plant medicine. So I want to, I want to give them a, your experience. Yeah. And I think they're going to flow together. Well, um, sure. yeah, I think where we are in this conversation and taking the past piece a little bit deeper to, you know, what you had pointed to wanting to do, I can lay out a bit yeah. of a framework here and that sure. plant medicine plugs into that pretty well. Um, Beautiful. So I, you, with my clients, what I do is I put them through what it, it kind of doesn't have a name. I, I tend to call it the five steps of deeper presence. It's essentially how do I yeah. build capacity to be present, right? Because it's one thing to be like, hey, be present in your life. And the other person say, what do you mean? Like, what, like how, do, how does that actually happen? In order to, to get to that, we have to say, what gets in the way of presence? And I already kind of got into that a little bit, but just to double click on it. First of all, the mind does. And the mind really has a couple different ways of getting in the way of presence. Number one is just stimulation, right? We live in a very stimulated world stimulation in the mind is nothing new. You see kind of Buddhists and yogis talking about it for thousands of years. They call it the monkey mind. However, now we're, we're speeding up the stimulation. And so, if, you know, if we're not doing one thing, we're doing another. If we're not reading this, we're on this piece of technology. If we're not having this conversation, we're listening to music. If we're not, right, it's just constant. And that speeds up the mind. And so a lot of people, when they first meditate, they're having to meet that and meet how, how restless it is and how crazy it is and how many directions it's going. And that unto itself can be overwhelming and they just shut off and they never want to meditate again because they can't make it through just the slowing down of stimulation. The other piece in the mind is, okay, well, there's the noise that there's the fact that there's noise, but then there's, Hey, what is the noise saying? And this is really the programming, right? That's the programming right. conversation. That's the, Hey, what are my interpretive frameworks that my mind has adopted? And the way I, the reason I call it interpretive framework is our mind, one of its main reasons for existing is to interpret reality to keep us safe, right? You're good, you're bad, you're right, you're wrong, you're safe, you're unsafe. And therefore, I'm going to categorize you in a way that's constantly sifting and shifting and painting and doing all this stuff to reality so that I can survive. Yeah. Not even thrive necessarily, just survive, right? As long as I am okay enough to keep living, which I'm alive, so there's a good thing there. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing this thing, right? Very natural, very biological, actually brilliant piece of survival uh, technology, if you want to call that, but biological evolution piece. However, what that can do is that can wind up building a world that separates us from deep and true presence and deep and true living li with life with a capital L, right? Because I no longer see the tree. 
and feel the tree and feel its energy and its life force and its bark and its browns and its greens. I now see a tree that I call an oak and I don't really care because I've seen a hundred of them. And so I don't even see the tree anymore. I walk right by it. I'm not even present in that moment because of the interpretive framework. And it says not a threat. So I'm throwing in the background and I'm not going to bring it to the forefront of my awareness. So we've got mind and we have emotions. Emotions, I would say in some ways are the most painful because really, again, to my point earlier, sometimes when I ask myself to be present, I have to be present to emotional pain. Yeah. And for anyone who's been down the rabbit hole of depression or sadness or grief or rage or shame or guilt or whatever, knows how deeply painful they can be, right? Existential level of should I even keep living because this is so overwhelmingly painful? Yeah. And you want me to be present to that? What is wrong with you? Like truly, like that's a huge ask at certain times. Sure. sure. And so it's like, okay, we have to be real about what being present might mean. And then what the conversation that comes up there is, well, then where do these pains come from? And what is my relationship to them? And this is where a lot of like the positive psychology movement or the mindset movement, like they're really big on how do we get to peak state or feel good state as much as possible? And I get it, right? That makes sense. It's healthy. It's, it's, you know, it feels good. However, what winds up happening is it actually creates more shadow because anything on the other side of the spectrum that's below neutrality, like all those emotions I just named, become more or less the enemy, become something I don't want to experience. And I just wind up repressing them again. And so what we have to learn to do in presence is actually say, I don't want to repress those. I want to change my relationship to them so that when they come up, I can be with them fully and I can actually start to trust them. So when my rage arises, instead of saying, Hey, that's not spiritual or Hey, that's not evolved. It's Hey, you're showing up for a reason. What's going on here. And I can express it in a way that's true and pure and authentic. I think that's a piece of the authenticity conversation. But again, I have to be willing to change my relationship, which means I have to be willing to form a relationship. And that means I have to meet all of those. And the trauma conversation comes up here, right? Because this is really where the avoidance or the relationship with a lot of our, our left side of the spectrum emotions come from, childhood development, and you know, both developmental trauma, acute trauma, um, which that's its own conversation. Don't really want to get into it. It's intense, it's no, deep, yeah, but that's it. where that comes in. So we have the mind, we have the emotions, we have the physical body which is that uh, fairly simple. Sometimes when I'm present, I have to be present to the discomfort of being in a human body, right? Whether it's fidgety or there's some, my lower back hurts or I'm cold or I have a chronic illness or an acute pain, you know, whatever it is. That one's fairly simple, fairly straightforward, but there's a lot of nuance in learning to be with sensation that the more I am, the more beautiful it is, but that we can get to that later. And then the final one I call spirituality, but it's really, it includes everything I just mentioned. And this really has to do with, can I learn to be with life as it is? Because when I ask people to come into the room, quite often the answer is, yeah, but it's boring, right? Like if I look around right now, nothing's really moving. I see some dust settling next to the lamp and 
and you want me to spend how long here? Right? Like there's, it's uneventful. And so what I wind up doing is I create a relationship to things like stillness and silence or even noise and, and movement where I want it to be different. Right? I want this moment, however it's showing up, to be a different way than it is. And so I actually start to create a relationship to life and reality and this moment in a way where I'm always wanting to be some other way. And that unto itself includes my physical, mental, emotional pains, the stimulation. And that's why it's so easy to turn to coping mechanisms because I don't want my life to be the way it is right now. Yeah. Right. And so that's a simple, it's an all encompassing, but it's also its own thing because I can learn to change how I interact with this moment. And this is where acceptance versus resistance comes in. This is really going back to the resistance conversation. Am I resisting myself? Am I resisting others? And am I resisting life, the capital L, as they are? And for a lot of us, a lot of the time, the answer is yes, we are. Yeah. Okay, those are kind of what gets in the way. And the response to that is, okay, well, now what? Right? For me, knowing what gets in the way is half the, is half the solution, right? If I understand the problem well, I can really walk into the solution eyes wide open. And so I kind of have like five steps and I put them in a hierarchical fashion, but they're not necessarily a hierarchy. It kind of makes sense once I lay it out. The top one is, we'll just be with life as it is. Learn to be present to what is, right? Like that's, it's, it's that simple. Can I just be here and meet whatever comes up? If it's pleasure and bliss, can I meet that? For some people, that's very difficult to be with. If it's pain and anguish, can I meet that? Again, pain, yeah. sometimes hard to be with. Or maybe it's just boring. Like wherever it is on the spectrum, can I be with it? The next one down is, okay, I notice that I'm not present and I've spent the last 15 minutes trying to bring myself back to presence, but I just keep checking out, right? My mind's like a dog let off a leash. It won't stay. Yeah. Okay, this is where self-inquiry comes in. And this is four different questions that encompasses all the challenges. So the first one is what's happening in my body right now? So I become embodied. I re-inhabit my form. Oh, I notice that I have a tension in my gut and my heart's kind of racing and my foot won't stand still. Like my, my foot's just going, okay, cool. Anything else? And you really spend time to feel into what's happening on a sensorial level. The next thing is what's happening emotionally. And more often than not, whatever's happening physically is coupled with what's happening emotionally. So, oh, okay. I can just check in with that tension in my gut. All right. If I feel into it, like, ugh, there's a sense of like shame in there. And when I feel into my heart racing, there's a little bit of fear. And when I feel my foot going, oh, there's some restlessness and some anxiety. Okay, cool. Notice I haven't asked anything to change. I'm just becoming aware of what's here. Then what's happening in the mind? Because the mind has something to say about everything. In fact, the mind might be the reason I feel this way in the first place. Yeah. And so, okay, I check in. You know what? What's really alive in my mind is I keep thinking about this conversation I had two days ago. And the way this person was showing up and I really didn't like it. And we got in this little bit of a conflict. And when I really sit with this shame and this tension in my gut, every time I'm around them, I feel small or I feel unworthy. Yeah. Okay. So there's unworthiness here. 
all right, so now I know that there's tension in my gut, there's shame, there's unworthiness. Unworthiness isn't a feeling, it's a mental interpretation of myself. So now I've got all three of those things going. The fourth and final question is, can I accept this? Whatever it is, can I accept it as it is? Can I let it in? And even to a, a larger extent, can I have compassion for it? This is just my organism responding to the present moment the way it is. Not the way I want it to be, the way it is. And accept and let in. And if, you know, going into the trauma conversation, one of the reasons that a lot of these emotional responses and traumas get stuck in us is they're never given space and acceptance to just be as they are, right? Like, oh, I was wrong for having that response or I had that response and I got hit. So that response isn't safe, right? So I'm taught that my response is actually a bad thing and it's never accepted. It's never given the space to be processed and it's never met with compassion. Can I be that space for myself? And so those four questions, that self-inquiry, number one, bring me present to what's happening. Yeah. So I'm present this whole time. But number two, allow me to stay present once I'm out of the inquiry as well. Yeah. That's one, two. The next three I'll go through quickly. The third step is shift your state. And this comes into, hey, if you notice that you're not present, you've gone through the self-inquiry process and you still are like, you're sitting with it and you're honoring it and you're accepting it and you're bringing compassion to it and it's still too much, that's okay. Shift your state. And this is where a whole slew of personal development techniques and tools come in, right? If you have been trained in heart math or in meditation or tapping or Bach flowers, uh, essential oils, um, Wim Hof breathing, right? Like there's all these things. Like this is where we plug those in. This is where I want to change the stress response, the fight, flight, or freeze response in my body. And I want to go from fight, flight, or freeze into rest and recover. I've, I've been with this long enough. My nervous system now needs to rest. Cool. Implement those techniques, those tools, utilize them, rocket, shift your state, do your thing. And guess what? All of those are presencing, right? Each one of those brings me present just to a different experience that I'm currently having, right? I'm not checking out. I'm being present. I'm just shifting what's here with me. The fourth level is, okay, I've done all those other three levels, Harry, but it's just overwhelming, right? Maybe some, some of the gremlins are really poking their head up and I just, it's too much. When the moment maintains being too much, check out consciously. And I mean cope, but just do it in a healthy way, right? Make a list of things that are coping mechanisms and you know they're coping mechanisms and you're choosing them on purpose, right? So going on a walk, watching a movie, reading a book, having a good conversation, making some food, painting, dancing like no one's watching, take a shower, whatever it is, right? But just do it consciously. No, say to yourself, I need time off. My nervous system needs to recover. And this is actually, funnily enough, the easiest one to do, but the one people judge themselves for doing the most. I agree. I agree. Because, oh, well, I'm supposed to be on this massive, you know, journey of exploration and healing and growth, but now I'm checking out, right? And it becomes this shame spiral. And it's like, no, get that shame spiral. I've cussed on here already. Is that cool? I just want to. Of course. Okay. You get know the, me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get the fuck out of that. Like really like throw yeah. that away. 
and say, no, I'm checking out on purpose. And maybe all you need is 15 minutes. Maybe you need a day. Sometimes depending on the depth of the work you're doing, you might need a week or a month. And I'm serious. Like you might need to check out for a while. And it's just like going to the gym. You go, you're doing this deep work. Your nervous system is, we're breaking down the muscles. Without the rest and recovery, you're not going to have the same gains. Same thing with the nervous system. Same thing with the sentience in our body. We have to give it time to recover if we actually want to keep making strides forward. And the fifth step is, hey, all that still not working, get help. Get help, set up a support system, reach out, highly recommend having a professional and more than just that, right? So have a coach, have a therapist, have, you know, whatever it is that you have, maybe have multiple. I call it my Jedi council. I have someone I go to if I'm in emotional distress. I have someone I go to if I have spiritual distress. Then I have a lot of peers that are fortunately for me are very trained in these areas. So my peers are technically professionals as well, but they're, I don't pay them. And I always learn from my clients. So every way I'm, every direction I'm looking, I have support. Gain support. Even if you don't have a long list, make a list of one to three people that you can turn to. And a quick note on this, proximity is not usually the answer. Just because someone's close to you doesn't mean they have the capacity to meet you in this place. So if you do have someone in mind that you actually haven't had the conversation with them yet, talk to them first, ask them, hey, I'm going through this stuff. Can I talk to you every once in a while? They might say yes, they might say I'm no, but feel that. into it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that that's, that's the most comfortable thing to do sometimes, not the most beneficial thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, that was a lot. I just threw a lot. It was a lot, man. I was taking a lot. I want to pause here. (laughs) Um, I'm going to encourage audience. I'm going to encourage you to pause here too. And just take that in for a second. Like I I was, I was listening and taking notes at the same time and go back if you need to. That's why I always tell you in the beginning, like get a pen and paper out. We're not, I'm not, I'm not just having general conversations here. We're, We're having really deep purposeful conversations that are meant universally meant to and brought into your life for a reason. So you are meant to hear this today. And the number one thing that we have got to point out is that regardless of the resistance or the pain or the heaviness or, or the, the, just the overall pressure of all this work and all the shit you've dealt with in your past and all your traumas and all the stuff that's coming up and how ADD you are, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is your commitment to becoming aware and your commitment to doing the work. And like Harry's saying, it's not, we're not asking you to go run a marathon tomorrow. We're saying, follow these five steps, like become aware, check out if you need to consciously, like go reach out for help. Those are easy things to do. Like in here, you said, go for a walk, shift your state, do some Wim Hof breathing, do some pranayamic breathing, do some whatever it might be. And you can find this so easily. I'm, I, I'm telling you right now, I, I, I run across this way too much, way too much that then I'd like to really acknowledge or, or that's comfortable. The amount of people that want help and the amount of people that aren't willing to do all of the work that they know will get them to a certain place. And I want to get your take on why that is. We literally like, dude, what you just, what you just laid out could change someone's entire existence. In the last 20 minutes, that's it. 20 minutes of them listening to this could change their entire existence. 
why do you think people will not take that seriously and they won't go all in? Why is that? Yeah, that's a big question. That's a big question. And I think, um, I, I don't think we're the only ones who really want the perfect answer to that. Like, I think it's arguable that even like the greats, Jesus, Krishna, sure. Buddha, like probably yeah. also wanted maybe a little bit more clarity on that as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I, would... I want to bring clarity to the people listening as to why they have the resistance as to like, well, if Harry would have said two, I, I'd probably do that. Or five, Harry, I don't have that kind of time. Come on, man. You know, like, why is that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and again, case by case, I always say that, yeah. but what comes up for me is I think there's a very simple number one, they just might not be ready and, and that's okay. Right. If someone's what makes not somebody ready though, what makes them? Ready? Well, I, I think that that is a mixture between nature and nurture and then a third unknown. Right. So what is our upbringing? How are we kind of, what's the culture that we live in? Again, that goes back to the society, culture, subjective and objective or piece that plays in and how has that played into me? And maybe I'm introduced to things and seeds are planted at certain times that by the time I meet this at age 30, 40, 50, whatever it is, it go, it, it says, oh yeah. And I'm, and I'm finally ready to meet that. Again, there's this third factor, which someone could call soul karma, reincarnation, whatever it is of like, oh, there's this other part of me. Cause to me, like people ask me all the time, Harry, you know, a lot of people at, at 18, 19 feel the way you did about like being fed up with their life. They don't do shit about it. Why did you do something about it? I don't actually have an answer other than like, I had to, I didn't have a choice. I had to get out of the life I was living or it would have consumed me. And so that no, like that back against the wall propelled me out. Like that's my best answer. Yeah. And I don't know what that it factor is for people. And so that's why the whole rock bottom thing for addicts, like, oh, they got to reach rock bottom. Well, yeah, a lot of them re re hit rock bottom and die or never get up. So it's not like that's the answer, but it is the answer for some. And so it's sure. like whatever the it factor is there, whether it's it's the right time, they had the right upbringing, it's just their nature or this other thing going Soul's on plan. or the yeah or the mixture of all of those like when someone's ready they're ready and my door's open is what i usually say right and i'm like same with yeah. you like you're here when these guys are like hey fuck yeah. it i'm in cool yeah. come on in but before then i i filter people i work with and i ask them like hey we're about to do group work that gets intense can you are you interested yeah i can do that we're gonna do one on work that gets intense are you interested we're gonna do this like, I, I really say, like, look, if you're not walking in eyes wide open, and even then you're never going to know what it's going to be like until you experience it. But if you're not walking in eyes wide open, it's probably not the right time, right? If I have to convince you as to why this is important, you're not ready. And that's okay. You know, it's totally okay. And it's, um, it, in our world, our first step is illumination, right? Our second step is elimination third step calibration in the mental purpose world. And one of the things that we have to do is we have to, it's not like five-year-old dumb it down. I have to have a metric um, and a measurable, because people will ask me, how do you know when I'm ready? How do you know when you're ready? And, and I think, uh, I think uh, a common answer is the rock bottom piece. 
Well, you know, you're ready when you've, when you've done, we've dealt with it enough, when you've hit rock bottom and you can't go any farther down. And the answer that I give them is when what's at stake, if you don't do it is so damn big that you're already starting to feel the regrets of not doing this work. And that's the way that I can, that we can like humanize it because most people listening aren't, they haven't, they haven't understood or don't understand what your soul's plan is. They don't understand that level of, um, I'm blanking on the word. It starts with an E. Like uh, esot esotericism. <laughs> That's not a word. But you sure. know what I mean, right? Yeah, esoteric. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like, for for people listening right now, to really put this into perspective, it literally can be, and it's all those things that Harry mentioned, and it literally can be that what's at stake for you, your children, your marriage, your financial future you're not willing to deal with not getting the results that you see as possible and that you're already starting to feel the regret of the lack of effort or the lack of action that you need to put into that. And there's a formula that's not adding up and the results aren't happening and you're starting to feel the pull of that. And the magnetism of that is like starting to stretch on you. And that's when I find people come into programs like mine that What's at stake for them? They're not willing to go any further and they don't have to hit rock bottom because some of these guys rock, like a lot of our clients are very wealthy, successful, amazing people. And sometimes for them, what they're not willing to do anymore is they're not willing to, to live their life, not reaching their fullest potential, or they're not willing to live their life, uh, working seven days a week and not seeing their kids or not spending the morning with their children. Sometimes that's it. That's what's at stake. When I say to somebody, do you realize that your children, it, there's going to be a season that ends, right? This beautiful summer season with a three-year-old running around is going to end. The beautiful summer season with my six-year-old daughter is going to end. And it becomes fall and it becomes winter. And then, and then leaves fall off the tree and that season is over. And if you are feeling the pool and you're feeling what's at stake, if you don't spend that time with your little kids, you don't spend that time with your wife in your 30s or 40s. You don't spend your time giving your kid a bath or giving them dinner or, or taking them to the beach or doing whatever. Just driving them to, to uh, you know, grab them. I don't know. People don't grab movies anymore. But you know what I mean? Like driving them to Walmart and get a toy, whatever. That season will end. And, and if you're not taking action now and you're not feeling the pool of that season ending, then you really need to think about what's at stake of you not spending the time now. Does that register with you? Yeah. And, and I noticed like, even as you name your clientele base, like it's, there's different types, right? And it takes a certain sure. type to be successful and to make the type of money and they sure. can be motivated by certain things. And so like, yeah, that sure. lands for, for a population is what yeah, I noticed. Of course. of course. And I, and then there is this, like, what's coming up for me as you were speaking is I've been asked like, how did you stay on the path, let alone get on it? Like, how are you still showing up all these years later? And again, like the only answer I really have is there was no other choice. Like I cannot live my life without finding the truest depth of my, of my being in reality. And I'm far from like knowing the truth of the universe firsthand, right? Like, yeah, I've read about what other saints and sages talk about. Like, but there's just something, call it a trauma response, call it a calling. It's both in my opinion. 
like it's the yin and the yang but like there's there's no option of me not showing up today there's just not and and so like that again when someone can find their why you know it's the why conversation sure and, and there's like hey when i'm in the darkness when i'm in the depths of the shit and i don't want to continue like if whatever my reason for being there has to be stronger than the pain of being there and if it is yeah. i'll make it through like and that's the only thing the, i can say yeah same thing same thing yeah yeah the pain of yeah the, it, the difference between like the the reality and the pain felt like that's yeah pretty much the same thing yeah it's it's a it's a I think we're going to need to do another, we need to talk about plant medicine. And I think we're going to need to book another one of these to dive into even more depth into some of these topics. Like I wrote a couple down, really diving into authenticity, really diving into surrender. I mean, obviously we talked about surrender in the, in the present conversation. And I think surrender has its entire, there's a whole world we can dive into with surrender. And, um, and then I also want to go a lot deeper into distractions and avoidance. So for the audience, we're going to do that. I'm not sure when. The universe <laughs> will tell us. The universe will tell us. Um, so just know that's coming. Because I know, I, know, I know what these five guys are going to write to me. It's like, why didn't you guys talk for three hours? Why didn't you guys dive deeper on this? They're, they're like my, um, they're my Cisco and Ebert. And it's really great. Honestly, really great. And, and two, two of them I know, three of them I never knew. And then they just kept writing to me. It's awesome. Uh, and there's a lot more people that write. I just really, I count on these guys every week to give me feedback on these podcasts. And um, they're like, they're like my, uh, my judge panel. So I want to get into, to plant medicine. So the, it's really interesting when we're talking about presence and surrender, there are people that come into your life in very random ways that you think are so random or coincidental or whatever. And, and, there is a surrender and a pay attention to it at the same time. You and I met at this organization. I think we sat next to each other at a table and we started talking and we bonded over the fact that you grew up in the same town. My wife grew up in Southern California. And, um, and so that was like an instant bond because it was always my dream, her dream, which subsequently became my dream to move to Southern California. We are now here. And I want to mention something real quick before we go into this. As far as distractions, avoidance, that kind of thing, we were talking about escapism. I have a lot of friends. I, I mean, I have three friends from Baltimore that escaped Baltimore. They ran, they avoided the challenges that they were facing with jobs and money and people and the government and all the other things that they made up. And they ran and, they, and their lives are still the same because they're still there. They didn't change. So of course their lives didn't change. And for those of you that listen to this a lot and you listen to and like take in the MOP content on the MOP community uh, and, the, and the mental purpose community on Facebook, like your life grows to the extent that you do. You want changes, you want a different result. You must do this work. It's not an, it's not a, it's not an or, it's a when. Like you can't get the result and not do the work. It's not like, well, what if I do this and not that? It's just when you make a commitment, your life will be different. You'll get the results. And case in point being, six years ago, um, October of 2015, we were here in Palos Verdes and Meredith was pregnant with Ellis 
um, six and a half years ago, October of 2015. And Meredith said to me, I help you with all of your goals. What about mine? And I said, what are your goals? And she goes, I don't know what my goals are. All I know is I want to move back home. So we set the goal. Let's roll. And yeah, it was exciting and it was different and it was new and it was name whatever adjective you want or, or verb or whatever, name whatever you want. And there were, after the first year that we started planning, I was pissed off in my business. I was upset with myself. I wasn't into personal development. Like I had just gotten into an else was born at the end of 2015. And guess what? California was a blinking, a blinking beacon of light. Come here. It's different. It's sunnier. It's warmer. Real estate's more expensive. It's not what you're used to. It will be a change. It'll be shinier. It'll be awesome. You haven't seen all of California yet. And it called us hard. And for like months at a time, we had conversations like, should we just go? Should we just pick up and move? And the answer is no. We moved when we were supposed to move because the guy in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020, that guy could not have been or done the things that I've accomplished thus far in California. The relationships, the business, the stuff with our podcast, our brand, never would have happened if I hadn't have done the work first and not just ran to the next shiny object that distracted me from the pain that I was feeling inside, like Harry was saying. So I want everybody to be very clear. Like I'm in California now because we made a commitment that said, we won't go until all lights are green and the universe will give us those lights. And one of the, one of the last pieces was Meredith's growth journey. And when she committed to that in 2020 and all of 2021 to go find a coach for herself and actually get on a journey to find who she is, reveal her most authentic self. That was when the final green light went on and said, you guys can now go. And guess what? Our house went under contract in an hour. It went in a 20 day settlement. We had a plane ticket booked and we rolled and we rolled and it was just seamless. Now it was emotional. It was human. It was emotional and it sucked a little bit. And it stung and we probably shouldn't have sold our house that morning and come to California homeless. Like with our bags, we probably should have done something differently. I just wanted to make that very clear distinction. Financially, from 2016 on, we could have come to California anytime. We were fine. We, we could have afforded it here, no problem. Could have started a business here and gotten back into that rat race and continued the distraction. Yet we went into surrender mode and said, who do we need to become? Not what do we need to do? Who do we need to become to make our California dream, our Westward expansion, a reality? And really what it was, was we actually had to remove all the pieces that stood in our way, not acquire more. And that was, that's how California dream came into our reality and we took action. So I just want to be very clear on that. So you and I met, actually, do you want to say anything about that? I kind of do, but I don't want to get a yeah, sidetrack too much, but like, number one, love it. Number two, I think there's a point here around imposter syndrome that, that I don't know what your population is and if that's a worthy five minutes yeah, or not. It is. It is. It is. Okay. And, and we're going to put plant medicine on the next, we're going to put plant medicine on the next one. Okay. And we, yeah, and we can maybe do a little here too, but so with this is there's a lot in the coaching world around imposter syndrome and around screw that feeling, get after your goals and just do it. 
And there's a part of me, it's like, yeah, I get that, right? Like the doubt in our heads can fester and can be the reason we never do something. So that conversation is worthwhile. However, the imposter syndrome is also something within our being signaling to us that there is a, there's area for growth in this, in whatever it is that we can respond to. And I think to your point, you moved when you were ready. Right. And I, and the same thing for me with this presence program I have going and the way I work with the clients now, like what I, could I have done this five years ago? No, I couldn't have. And the imposter syndrome that I felt then was telling me like, dude, you have growth to do. You have things left to be done before you can hold the space that you want to hold. And so there is like, I I just want to say that like, there's a lot of people out there do it anyway like, yeah, or not, right? To your point, like, or double down on the things you need to do to be ready to do it anyway. I think that that's just a very simple, short lesson within what you're saying is like, yes, you know, you want to do this, but it might not be the time become the person that can step into that. Yeah. And you and I share that same sentiment and subsequently left some of the organizations that we were a part of because of that mentality, which I don't believe is, is probably still a part of that, that or those organizations. It, it just was something that you and I didn't align with. It didn't mean it was right or wrong. It just mean you and I didn't align with that more um, masculine, crush it, crank it, go for it. Fuck it. Who cares what you feel like? Fucking push yourself. I... I just didn't align with that. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't resonate with that. My, my, I knew there was a different way and I knew that I wasn't going to learn anything pushing myself through those aspects of my emotional states and the way that I was feeling about things. And sometimes I just needed to process the feelings and understand like where they were coming from. And I wanted to sit in them. Whereas we were being taught to like cover them, mask them, avoid them, do push-ups to get rid of them. Like that, that wasn't, that wasn't working for me. Subsequently doesn't work for a lot of people either. This, whatever, whatever people are thinking, like you cannot, you cannot avoid your feelings and emotions by jumping down and doing push-ups or jumping into a cold lake. You can't, it doesn't work like that. Sitting with those feelings, being curious and becoming aware of what is going on in my body right now. Where's this coming from? Where does it come from? Why does this come up? Why does this come up when I do that? Why does it come up when that person walks in the room like you were talking about earlier? That is what we're talking about. That's how you start to unwire or rewire. And that's presence and that's surrender. And that's being responsible with yourself. That's not distracting. It's not avoiding or escaping. Like that's how you actually shift your being. And your being is the only thing that gets you the sustainable results in in the mental purpose world. Like when people say, what's the difference between your program and others? And I'll say, look, man, it's, it's night and day. And at, the, and, and at the end of the day, our system, our framework, our curriculum is sustainable. It's not quick blip. It's not acquisition method, buffet style, pile a bunch of shit in that we think work for all these other people. It is a, it is a like psychology-based, trauma-based understanding your past, understanding your program, your beliefs, your language, your mindset, your habits, and working to illuminate those and working to eliminate the ones that don't work or serve, and then calibrating in the new version of you. 
It's the Michelangelo principle with David. The same thing I talk about a lot. Michelangelo didn't create David. He chipped away the pieces of marble that weren't David. David was just there. That's us as human beings. Society, mom and dad, school put so much shit on us, especially as men and, and women. I think women have it actually worse. Um, that we carry around that armor and those extra pieces of marble. And we wonder why we look in the mirror and don't recognize who we are. And our work is to eliminate those pieces, those distractions, those, those things that we use to avoid. And when we do that, the real us is just standing there in the mirror and we go, oh my God, I, I did the work, I'm me, this is me, I love me. Like I feel me now, I can be with me and not have to turn on music and be distracted every six seconds. Like that is, that is true. That's true. Um, peace, clarity, happiness, joy, fulfillment, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it. Like when you can achieve that. And for those of you listening that are like, yeah, that sounds really good. I like that. Well, you've got Harry as a resource. Now you always have me as a resource. You got to take action. And like Harry said, like, you got to be ready to deal with some shit. You want to come into the mental purpose mastermind? You got to be ready to deal with some shit. And we're, we're telling you, if you do the work, it's proven over time. You do the work. The, the results you want for who you are will absolutely happen. And subsequently, the, the results you want in your life, business, money, relationships, they happen too, because you have now found you. You have now dialed into you formula. And not the external formula that is like, I'm a lawyer. I like football. I play golf for eight hours on Sunday. That's not you. That's not you. Just not. You're not a lawyer. You're you. You just so happen to have a piece of paper that says you took a bunch of classes and passed a bunch of tests that allow you to do this thing. You know, we want to keep those very separate. So, Dude, I love these conversations with you, man. Like even when we're in our in personal, like in in uh, in person with each other, I, I I love having somebody like you in my inner circle, um, that can get this deep, you know, and doesn't think it's crazy, and think it's crazy <laughs> you know, like and yeah. uh, and and somebody like who you are for me is somebody that, um not for ego or for looking good. I always say to myself, am I playing um, at a deep enough level to be going to dinner with Harry tonight? Am I, am I really challenging myself and looking inward enough to occupy this dude's space tonight? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like the last time we had dinner, that's the stuff that I think about. It's not like, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Like, I know you and I have been through that before in our own respective lives. It's like, to, to, to really earn the time that you can give based on the experiences and things that you've gone through. Like, am I, am I, am I challenging myself enough to reveal the most authentic version of me? And I think about that with you and I, and there's a couple other people that I think about that with. And again, it has nothing to do with ego or pride or looking good or not looking bad or looking smart. It's these, somebody like you, you have taken the time to really dig in deep. So if I wanna play and I wanna really learn and I wanna be present with you, then I better be doing the same type of work for me. Mm. You know what I mean?
Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. That share. And I think yeah. the way that that shows up for me is like, is a simple kind of question is, can I meet this person? Like, do I have the capacity to be present to their life force? Right. Whether it's you or it's whoever it is, it's like, Oh, like I, my, the deep, deep essence that is hairy, the aliveness like wants to be able to meet and connect with the world. And to your point, like there are those who we come across who demand that by their very presence. And like, that to me is a gift. And, And again, you know, being with you on this podcast, right. Just being able to have these conversations, there's not a, Oh, I must, there's a, Oh, I want to, I get to be met and meet in a way that is here. And that's a gift. That's, that's powerful to me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. I I appreciate you. I've, I've appreciated our relationship over the last six, years maybe five years something like that something like that yeah i'm not even sure at this point um yeah because the beginning of 2018 is when we did that uh oh my god it was four years ago yeah when we did that uh when we did the um program with you the plant-based the plant-based uh uh, diet program yeah that was that so that was 2018 okay wow yeah four years ago now look, I'm also I'm also not saying that you and I can't be just dudes hanging out and talking about random totally. shit. Like totally. That's that's still there. And I really appreciate the fact that we can get as deep as freaking possible and I know for a fact that there's still there's still it's still cavernous under you. As deep as I can go, as comfortable as I am with going as deep as possible, like I know that there's still depth. That's important. That's important that I'll, we that for me it's important that I'm not maxing my friends out. Mm. it's unconditional by the way unconditional i just want to know that the people that i choose to surround myself with and and play with and count on are on a constant journey not a like oh yeah in in 2018 i really did a lot of work on myself like i i don't want to i don't want to i don't want a a finite journey i want i want the people that i'm tight with to be on an infinite journey and so for you for those of you that are listening that know our curriculum have taken our courses or been in our front runner events or been to our mastermind like what I'm talking about is, is on the 10 domains exercise. I'm talking about the inner circle. I'm talking about like really leveling up your inner circle and making sure that these are top notch people in who they're being and what they're doing. Both in that order, <laughs> both in, in that order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, all right, dude, let's wrap. And we're going to do another one of these. I'll schedule with you right after this. And we're going to talk more depth about plant medicine our experiences together, your experiences, your expertise in it. Um, can you have an expertise in plant medicine? I think there are those who have, have walked the path long enough to maybe they fall in that category. I'm not sure I do, but I have extensive experience with it. We'll put it that way. That's what we'll say. Ex- yeah. We'll discuss your extensive experience with it. And, um, and that's it, man. This has been, uh, it, it's, it's always a pleasure just hanging in you in your presence and just hanging with you and, I really appreciate you being here, man. And I know the audience got a lot, a lot out of today. A lot. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on and definitely come back for a second one and we'll get into all sorts of fun on that one too. Cool. Audience, you want to find out uh, all about Harry's programs? Website is consciously.org.
yes. yeah. conscious consciously.org are you on social media we have instagram uh doing a little bit okay. with it it's not our main thing but yeah we're on there okay so consciously.org is where you'll find them you can also find all the information in the show notes uh, you can come to la and you can do ceremonies meditations hikes sound bowl healing which i love with you guys um this is this is a guy that you want to know and i know somebody's life got changed today listening to this you're shaking your head right now at your phone or at your radio you're shaking your head right now like ian that shit blew my mind and yeah so thank harry for that right to him <laughs> go to consciously.org check that shit out um all right audience thank you for listening we love you if you need us make sure you are joining the uh if you have not already the mental purpose community on facebook our mastermind um kicks off every two or three weeks and it is doing so well. It's a private mastermind, hundred day program, 25 freaking calls, two private calls. Like it's over value. It's over value. Trust me. I, I, I want to charge like five times the amount and I'm going to keep it low for right now. Um, so if you want inf information, hit me up. I'll have a private conversation with you about it. We'll talk about pricing, talk about it's, it's availability, talk about if it's the right fit for you. Other than that, go back and rewind this thing. Take it all in. Don't be distracted while you're listening to this either. If you're at the gym, like listen to this and then go back and listen to it at home in your bedroom in the quiet and the dark. Just be with it. I think it's going to be really amazing for you. Other than that, catch you on the next one. Thanks, Harry.